The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan. And this is Charlie. We're your hosts for today. And we're so excited to welcome to the podcast today, Lance. He is the host of Legacy Dads, or one of the hosts, and has served in various positions in the military and is just a really amazing man of God. So we're so excited to have you with us today, Lance. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. It's, uh, we've been talking about this for a while, so I'm, I'm excited that we're finally on doing this. Yeah, me too. I am so excited. Well. Hey, why don't you just start out and tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Who's your family? What's your life like? Uh, yeah, so I've been married now, let's see, 23 years. I've got uh, two children who are grown up and out of the house. I've got a son who is 21 and then a daughter who will be 20 this summer. Um, and I have spent, so let's see, uh, almost 23 years now. I had a little break, but uh, working in the military, I've worked in uh, special operations and uh, spend a lot of time just working overseas in various countries. Um, and now I'm in more of a uh, training role where I'm the director of a, uh, uh, a training facility where we do, we train all sorts of countries and uh, people within the U.S., um, you know, specifically for operating overseas and doing some of the unique missions that we do within the military special operations community. Well, it sounds like you have a boring life, man. So. It is. It's, it's, you know, it's boring. No, it's funny. You know, I say that. And, and it, when you get into the, you know, you guys know when you get to the management leadership levels, it's a lot of times you're doing all the, the paperwork and the meetings and yeah. everybody else gets to go out and have all the fun. So, yeah, it's kind of true. <laughs> I, I do understand that. Um, so awesome. Well, why don't you start off telling us a little bit about legacy dads uh some of the listeners may know what that is or may not so if you could describe what that podcast is and then why did you start it yeah absolutely so uh legacy dads was really uh, i say it was a god thing so when i became a, a husband and father um i really felt like ill-equipped um, I didn't grow up. I didn't have my father uh, passed away before I was born. And I, I never really had a godly man in the house as an example. And, you know, so I, and I had, I, I had other men in my life. So I had pastors, I had, you know, coaches and things like that, but never really had that, you know, somebody in the home 24 seven, that was a positive, you know, godly male role model. So when I ended up becoming a husband and father of my own, I really started to struggle as to what is my role as a spiritual leader? Uh, what are areas, you know, that I need to focus on? Um, and I, I just found out that I was really ill-equipped and I wasn't really um, prepared for my role as, as a husband and father and spiritual leader. And so you know, what I first did in making the mistake is I kind of went to the world, you know, I went to Amazon and I checked out, let me find all the best-selling books on how to be a husband and father. And, and what I found is it, that, you know, there are a lot of smart, you know, PhDs and professors and academics, but they all had conflicting ideas of what a good husband and father should be. 
Um, and after, you know, kind of some struggle and in, in looking into the secular world, you know, I finally realized, why don't I go back to God's truth and go back to scripture and the Bible and see what God has to say. And once I started digging into scripture and getting some godly men and some mentors in my life, I started realizing that God has given us, you know, everything we need uh, to be the the husbands and fathers and spiritual leaders of our home that we need to be. It's just, we've really got to dig into his word and figure that out. And so uh, legacy dads kind of spawned out of that. My personal, you know, journey of figuring out how to be a godly man, a godly husband and father and spiritual leader, it kind of uh, came out of that. And then I started sharing it uh, back then. That was when there was like blogs were the big thing. Yeah. So it started off as a blog and um, then it kind of morphed into, uh, you know, this ministry. And then finally we started doing the podcast a couple of years ago. So. Awesome. That's uh, really, really cool. cool. Yeah. So uh, obviously you have a secular job. Um, what is it like representing Jesus out in the secular world? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, especially I would say in the government and the military line of work, um, we have a lot of uh, regulations and restrictions and laws against uh, uh, sharing your faith. And it's, it's almost, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's a hostile work environment, but in some places it can be to where, you know, uh, I've had incident, you know, incidents where because I was a Christian, because of my faith, um, people have held that against me. I've, I've not gotten certain positions and jobs or advancement in my career because of my Christian faith. Um, but for the most part, I would say, you know, you have to look for those opportunities. One of the big things in my line of work is we're really not allowed to proselytize or to preach a gospel when we're overseas. But what I've really found is that God provides opportunities where um, there is there is those opportunities to be able to share the gospel or talk about your faith. And um, even though there's all that restrictions and laws, God always finds a way and, and God always mm-hmm. gives us opportunities. So there's always those opportunities for that. Yeah. how That's I'm awesome. curious, how do you see those emerging mostly? Um, is it you just have relationships with different people and topics come up or are there kind of cues that you'll look for to say, hey, this could be a really good opportunity with my coworker? What, what's that like for you? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, you know, that, that gets back to kind of basic evangelism. I think I, I don't ever really try to orchestrate or, you know, plan strategically plan. How am I going to share the gospel with somebody? Um, a lot of times I think it just comes up in casual conversations and you need to, you know, that's just a part of, of learning to, to evangelize and share the gospel is look for those, those gateways or those questions or, you see somebody you're working with is struggling and um, it'll open up an, an opportunity to where maybe you can start moving the conversation to talking about faith or talking about, uh, you know, what you believe. And, and I really look for that. And I look, I kind of, I kind of rely on the Holy spirit and God just to provide those times where there's an opening where, you know, somebody uh, may be open and receptive to the gospel and you just kind of have to take a step forward and, and see if that's a time. You know, I remember uh, one guy I worked with, uh, he grew up in the church, but was a, uh, an atheist and just didn't want to have anything to do with um, religion anymore. And for five years we were friends and, and the conversation never got brought up. And, and one night 
when he was just going through a lot and he was just struggling, um, you know, I finally, I, I finally just went, you know, he, he presented an opportunity and I shared the gospel with him and, uh, for the first time and it really made a difference. And he started, uh, at least taking some steps, going to church, taking his family to church and starting to be, um, the spiritual right. leader role. So I, I think some of it's God's timing and some of it is us having to be just bold and, yeah. and take a step forward. Yeah. It reminds, yeah. It reminds me of that verse, uh, that says, make the most of every opportunity in Ephesians chapter five. It's yeah. just like, whatever comes walking down the path at you, it's like, that's what you seize. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're, it's, uh, interesting. You kind of talk about that. That'll be a, a podcast. We're planning an episode up and coming, uh, about how to engage your neighbor from a very practical level, not just only in what we share, but how do we get to that point? What does that look like afterward? How do we keep engaging in relationship in a gospel way? Uh, so that's, yeah, it's really good stuff. I, Lance, I remember hearing a story from you one time, uh, that is so, uh, in my mind, just really intriguing and really powerful. Um, we interview different, what we would call kingdom laborers on this podcast from time to time. Those who we believe have different unique spheres of influence and begin to labor for God's kingdom. They're what you could call their harvest fields. And yours has been really unique, I would say, in the opportunities and people that you've met. And so, uh, yeah, I remember a story you were telling us about a terrorist that you ended up having a conversation with. Is that something you'd be willing to tell us about right now? Yeah. Um, I can talk about, I've only, I think I told you guys when I told you guys the story is only the second time I've shared that publicly. So this will be the third time. Uh, but now it'll be out on, uh, on the, uh, on, uh, you know, the podcast world. So everybody will hear this, but so the, uh, back in 2005, I found myself, I was working, um, overseas in Iraq with, uh, one of our most elite, uh, military organizations and task force at the time. And if you guys have ever seen the movie or read the book, uh, Lone Survivor. Yeah. Um, so they were, we were all a part of the same task force. That was uh, Marcus Luttrell and his team. That was the Afghanistan side. I was on the Iraq side of that. And uh, the situation in Iraq in that time was we were getting very heavily involved with fighting terrorists and insurgency in the country. And uh, there was a very well-known um, uh, terrorist by the name of Abu Musab al-Zarqawi. Uh, he was very pronounced for uh, beheading people and putting out videos online and things like that. A lot of people call him the uh, the godfather of ISIS, and he was the one that originally founded ISIS or ISIL uh, or Daesh, depending on uh, how you say their name. But um, So I was involved in the operation of going out and uh, rounding up some of these terrorists, and we actually caught uh, this guy's number two, his top lieutenant. And, uh, they caught him and, and brought him in. And, and when they bring somebody in, they're always thinking of, okay, can we get information out of them to maybe lead us to the number one guy or, or to some of the other, you know, terrorists that are going around. And, uh, this guy that we captured, we knew that he had uh, blood on his hands. We knew that he had been involved in some of the videos with, that beheaded Americans and Westerners, um, and so we knew he was a very bad guy. Um, so when we brought him in for capture, the uh, interrogators probably spent about 18 hours just uh, you know, trying to get information out of this guy. And they got to the point where the guy, um, this terrorist, just stopped talking altogether. And um, they came to me and asked me, they said, Lance, are you, would you be willing to go in? This guy won't talk to us anymore. Would you be willing to go in 
and kind of, you know, get inside his head or just talk to him and see if you can get him to open up and, and talk to us a little more. Um, so I said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. And the one thing I knew was that the interrogators, I mean, this guy's a terrorist. He's obviously a bad guy. He's killed and beheaded people on video. The, the interrogators are really going after him, you know, screaming and yelling and, um, you know, this type of stuff you see in the movies, uh, kind of anger, you know, and I'm sure some of those guys had emotions knowing that the person they were talking to was a, a known killer. Um, so I, when I went in and talked to him, I decided to go a, a different approach. Um, I started talking to him about his family and, you know, and, and what it means as a, as a, as a husband and father for him to now he's going to be, you know, his kids are going to grow up without a father. Uh, his wife is not going to have somebody there to support, mm. um, you know, to support her. And then I, I started to talk to him about his faith. And I said, you know, within, uh, within the Muslim faith, the, the, the jihad, uh, there's actually two types of jihad. There is the, you know, the fight to defend the, the homeland. And then there's the inner struggle to be a good uh, Muslim. And so I asked him, I said, why did you pick the easy route? And I said, you know, anybody can pick up an AK-47 and fight. Anybody can pick violence. But why did you pick that route over, you know, the, the tougher route in my mind, which is that inner struggle to be a good Muslim? And he, uh, he wasn't really sure. He didn't know why, why I was talking about this and where I was going with this. And uh, one of the things I knew about him uh, ahead of time was that he was involved in terrorism because his brother was killed um, by, uh, supposedly by U.S. forces in the opening days of the Iraq war. And so I told him, I said, I want to tell you something. And I want to, I don't know if you've ever heard this before. I said, I understand why you're fighting. I understand why you're angry. And I said, frankly, if I was in your situation, if somebody killed my brother, you know, I can't say that I wouldn't feel the same way you do. But I said, let me tell you something. I want to tell you the difference between your faith and your God and my faith and my God. And I said, um, First, I want to tell you that I am sorry for what we did. I'm sorry on behalf of the U.S. government that we killed your brother. Um, I apologize for that. And I said, the second thing is I want to tell you about my faith and my God. And I said, my faith and my God says that I have to offer you forgiveness. Even though if I was to let this guy, you know, I said, if even if I was to let you out of those handcuffs right now, you might try to kill me. Uh, I have to look upon you as my brother. And so I just want to tell you that uh, I forgive you and that God loves you and that you're my brother and that whatever you've done, God forgives you for that. And um, the guy looked at me and he thought I was, I think he thought I was crazy at first, but then I saw the guy, I mean, this hardened terrorist, uh, he just started, he broke down and he just started bawling and crying. Um, and it was a, a real powerful moment. I don't know why I said what I said at the time. I still can't figure it out. Um, but it really got, you know, broke through to this guy. And, you know, I think when I look back on it now, I'm like, man, if, if God's grace and God's mercy, uh, if hearing that can do that to the most hardened, you know, killer and terrorist, what can that do for you and me and everyday, you know, people around the world? Um, it was just an amazing experience. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I 
it, it reminds me of Romans when it says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And it, you were just revealing the kindness of God that God through Christ would offer forgiveness and extend his love and his grace to, to that hardened terrorist. And of course he, he offers that to us day by day, whether that's repentance to believe in Christ or repentance day by day to say, Lord, I messed up in this way. Uh, can you help me move forward? Um, I think it's just a powerful story that reveals that truth of, of who Jesus is. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and it, when we're talking about this along the lines of evangelism and, and, you know, I don't think it's, it's not on us to choose who are we going to share the gospel with? Who are we going to proclaim to, you know, James five twenty says that let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Um, you know, and what we were talking about earlier in the podcast is God will reveal times and places and people to us and we just need to be bold and understand and just and just trust in God that God's providing this opportunity. Um, and even though this guy was a you know a criminal or a terrorist or a killer, uh, that's not my it's not my job to judge him. It's it's my job to share you know the gospel with him and share my what my God can do for him, um, and and let God you know use that for whatever God's purpose is. Um, but I think it's important to remember that that uh, it's not on us; it's on God's timing. We're just, we're just the proclaimers and we're just the ones sharing. Amen. So good. <laughs> uh, people need to hear that. Um, so uh, maybe switching gears just slightly. Uh, obviously, uh, you're, you're here and you're abroad. Uh, what does it look like for you to be like a godly father and that, like, that spiritual leader in your household as you're at home and abroad? Yeah, it's so I I wouldn't I'd be lying if I wouldn't tell you guys that it's tough sometimes. I think it's gotten better as my kids have gotten older because uh you know things like technology like this and um social media and even just being able to text them back and forth. You know, I can keep in contact with them and I can just uh even though I'm across the world if I you know if I've got a cell signal I can send them a text and say hey I love you I'm thinking about you God loves you. Um but when they were little, it was it was difficult, I think, because there were times and and you know big chunks of their life, six months, a year at times, where I was just gone and I was out of the picture. And it's tough, I think, also because for my wife, you know, I always joke and I said my wife had the hard job. You know, I I got to go off and explore countries, and and it's pretty much you guys know it's just hey, get up and. Uh, eat and and go you know work with people that day and, and it's pretty simple. Uh, we're not worrying about yeah. bills and we're not worrying about you know all the craziness and hectic life back in the world. But uh, you know my wife was left with you know bills and kids and uh, everything going on. And I, sometimes I think it was a harder job for her. But the the one thing I always recommended was you know if you have a you, you set the foundation as being a spiritual uh, leader and a spiritual man and that goes by your example so I need to be the times that I'm there setting that example for my kids of this is what a godly man looks like and then when I'm gone you know my wife kind of picks up that role and the thing I always tell people too is when you come back so if I'm gone for six months or a year don't just come back in the house and try to take over like, you know, the day I left Um, because my, my wife has been doing everything on her own and she's, you know, 
it, even if it's something that I see and I'm like, well, that's not the way I would do it. Well, she was doing the best she could because I wasn't there and I need to respect her and respect that. And so I always tried to kind of ease back into it. I, you know, I would almost act like a guest in my own home. I would just sit back and observe and watch what my wife was doing and watch what the routine, what the kids was and slowly ease back into it. Not just, you know, the first day I'm home, okay, dad's back and we're doing it my way now. Um, so, you know, that, that's some of the things that I really tried to do. And then, you know, like I said, the technology piece now has been really good of just, you know, reaching out. And even, even though my kids are out of the house and grown now, I still do that reaching out to them, telling them every day, sending them Bible verses, you know, uh, just different things like that to, to keep in contact and keep connected with them. Mm. Uh, that's good. It's uh, something that sticks out to me as you share that is just this idea of humility. And maybe that's something that you would say is a key piece of being a man of God, of being a Absolutely. godly father. Um, what else would you say are key pieces? And you shared earlier that you learned hey, to be a godly man, I had to dig into the word of God and mm -hmm. really discover what God has laid forth for us. What are some other things that you've discovered that you're like, man, to be a godly man in, in my family, it's this? Yeah, I, I would say, so I kind of touched on it. The first, the first thing I would say is setting the example. And I, I think especially as a, as a father, your kids are going to watch you. And it's not about what you say, it's about what you do. Um, do your kids see you getting into God's word? Do your kids see you praying? Do your kids see you uh, in times where maybe you're uncertain or times of struggle, you're going to prayer, um, you're turning to God. Uh, I think so much of the foundation of what our kids grasp spiritually comes from the, the, the uh, example that we set and what they see us doing. Um, and it's not just, you know, we've talked about this uh, many times is, is it's not just a Sunday thing. It's, it's what do they see us doing Monday through Saturday? Um, and, and I think that plays a big uh, part of it. The, the second thing I would say is that I truly believe, and I, I use Christ as an example of this example of, of uh, servant leadership and being the spiritual leader of a home does not mean that, you know, it's all about me and I'm this authoritarian dictator and I just tell, you know, tell my wife and kids what to do. A, a lot of times it's about sacrificing my own comfort, my own needs, my own um, career goals and ambitions for what's best for my family, for what's best for my wife, you know, and, and, and if that means, you know, maybe taking a position or, or staying in a location because the kids are in great schools, um, sometimes that's what it means. And that means sacrificing yourself, your time, um, some of your hobbies, maybe, uh, some of the things that, you know, maybe it's my free time, but I need to, you know, rather than watching the game, I'm going to shut the game off and go help the kids with homework. Mm. Um, so it's really that role of it's, it's not about you. It's really about your family and being that sacrificial servant leader. Absolutely. It, it reminds me of all those times Jesus said, die to yourself. Yes. Like, uh, we, we think of, sometimes we interpret that as like, yeah, I'm willing to be a martyr or whatever. Like I die for my faith, but are you willing to like lay down your life on a regular basis, sacrificially for others as you're living and like make them number one? Oh, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something I, you know, I, I talk about this on our podcast a lot. It's, it's getting up every day. And when your feet touch the ground, just saying, God, use me today. Um, 
make, you know, let me die to self. Let me just be today is about you and let me serve you. Let me serve my family. And sometimes that's just every single day. And, and I think Nathan, you hit on a key point. It's, it's not like a martyr. It's sometimes sacrificing our free time or uh, sacrificing, you know, maybe, you know, a vacation or whatever it may be. Uh, it's, it's more about sacrificing, uh, some of those intangible things and, and even some tangible things than, you know, thinking of that, okay, yeah, I'm going to die a martyr's death for God. Um, and that's the hard part as I think men and as husbands and fathers is to realize we have to do that as well. Mm. Yeah, that's huge. I, it, it makes me wonder, Lance, I know you mentioned earlier that what got you started on that path was not reading the best-selling books, but digging into the word of God. And maybe that's a starting place for others. But what would you recommend others who are saying, hey, um, you seem like a guy who has a lot of courage uh, to be able to face terrorists, or you seem like a godly husband who's willing to sacrifice himself for the sake of his family. How did you get there? Like, what if somebody's listening and they're saying, man, how do, what's my next step? What can I do to start living that way and to grow and mature and, and, become a godly man, what do I do? Yeah. So I, I think you hit on it, Charlie. I mean, uh, the first, first thing is, is getting into God's word and, um, his word is sufficient. And like I said, it, it gives us everything we need. We just have to dig into it. And I would say before we start trying to, you know, work on ourselves and work on our marriage or work on our, our roles as fathers, we need to get our vertical relationship in the right place first. So, you know, I, uh, working in men's ministry over the years, there's a lot of guys holding on to baggage. A lot of guys are still grasping sin. Um, you know, there's a lot of things. So if, if, if you're, if you're still sinning, I mean, you need to repent and you need to turn away from that. And if you can't do it on your own, get with a group of guys or find a mentor or somebody that can hold you accountable and help you do that. Um, start getting into God's word, start getting into uh, a regular prayer habit, um, focusing, you know, uh, on that, like I said, that vertical relationship. I think once you get your, your relationship with God, that vertical relationship gets in the right place, the horizontal relationship with your wife and kids and coworkers, all of that starts to fall in place afterwards. Um, so for me, you know, part of my testimony is God, you know, God stripped everything away from me. And it started with me on my knees, uh, praying and asking God, God, change me, use me, make me the man, make me the husband and father that you want me to be, the, the husband and father that my wife deserves, that my kids deserve. And that's what it was. It just started simply on my knees every day praying and then getting into God's word and, and looking at Jesus as an example of the man I should be. Awesome. Yeah, that's a huge place to begin. I think the the only place to begin. I mean, yeah. you hit it on the head. How how could we possibly do this without the power of God? As yeah. if we have it within ourselves. Yeah. And and that, that's something I say over and over again too is 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 as parents, you know, we th- we like to think that we're in control of a lot, but sometimes we aren't. And and I think no matter where you're at, if you're a parent listening to this, you have to realize that God's with you and God's in control and God has a plan. And so much of parenting is spent on your knees, just in prayer, praying for your kids, praying for their future, praying for 
their future spouse or whatever it may be. Um, because I'll tell you, they go from little to, you know, out with their friends to driving, to going to college. It happens really, really fast. And we really need to spend a lot of time just praying for them and praying that God's going to you know, use them and change their lives. Yeah, that's, that's good. I, uh, um, I've been a husband for some years, but my wife is pregnant. So we got a baby coming in a few months. So I'm, oh, wow. I'm Congrats. taking yeah. notes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, as we kind of close this time out, what, how, how can, uh, people get hooked up with legacy dads, your podcast? I know you guys are on some social networks and stuff. What does that look like? Yeah. So our main website, we're at legacydads.org. Uh, the podcast is out on iTunes, Spotify, and Pandora. Um, so you can, you can, uh, listen to the podcast on that. And then we're also on social media. We're mostly on uh, Instagram and then Facebook. We have like a closed Facebook group where guys will get together and kind of just talk about different topics or share things. And then with all this, uh, with all this crazy virus and quarantine going on too, we've also been doing just some virtual meetups and, um, you know, doing some of these you know, conference calls and things, getting guys together and just seeing how guys are doing spiritually. So we've been using kind of the technology piece as well to meet up and, and talk with guys. Um, but they can, they can reach out to us on there. If you want to reach out to me personally, you know, get on social media, you can send me a, a direct message or something like that. And I usually get back to you. Awesome. Well, man, thanks Lance so much for joining this time. Uh, just to say again, you guys, if, if you want to get a hold of legacy dads, uh, you can check them out. Instagram. Apple Podcasts, you can just Google Legacy Dads, it'll come up. Uh, they are true kingdom laborers, serving God, serving his kingdom, getting out into the harvest, and what does it look like? And they get practical and they get real. And so definitely check them out, worthwhile, worth your time. Uh, thanks again, guys, for joining another Fuel for the Harvest podcast. God bless you.